We're Life is Good. We created our first t-shirt back in 94 when we were fed up with the daily flood of negative news. Sound familiar? Since then, our super soft tees have been helping people make positive connections, reminding us every day that even though life isn't easy or perfect, life is good. Today, we're serving up fresh designs daily and giving 10% of annual profits to help over 1 million kids a year. Join us at lifeisgood.com and let's spread some optimism together. Marco Royce. Daniel Marlon! Wonderful! Fantastic from Royce. Jude Bellingham. That's excellent. Jude Bellingham. This is absolutely brilliant. Jude Bellingham! Absolutely magnificent. Rina. Brilliant from the American. Just like that. Graceful. Sally Hoogstown for Anthony Modest. Royce. Not a bad idea. Hey, welcome back to another week of the BVB podcast. My name's Jake, and I'm just going to start off by apologizing that we're a little late. Uh, we didn't do an episode last week. I had a family emergency, had to head out of town, so we're going to make a, an episode work on what was probably a little bit better, a better week for for Dortmund, a little better results-wise than, than this week because we're feeling a little crummy. I'm feeling a little crummy. Carver, how are you feeling? I know you're like physically sick, but, but I'm all also in that same realm absolutely it's 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 beginning to look a little grim of just how stagnant this team is and how little improvement we are making uh, and us working really with just the issues we've been having for several years now it looks like they're just not being addressed so at least it's uh 80 and sunny here in st louis yeah well by crummy i mean i got a, a sore throat i might have a, a mild mild cold but by crummy i meant from the dortmund result i didn't necessarily <laughs> Ah. me being sick or not uh definitely not the Dortmund result we we wanted yesterday um but yeah so last week obviously we did have the win against Eintracht Frankfurt which was exciting but Carver and I even hung out in person we we don't always just like just talk on podcasts I mean that was the first time we kind of like hung out hung out in a long time uh but we were talking about the game a little bit it's like it was a it was a good result. It wasn't the best. Like we, it was kind of a gritty win. And we maybe didn't deserve it, but hey, we'll, we'll take the win. And then we had the Champions League draw against Copenhagen, Copenhagen, which is kind of what we thought. We had rotated the squad and everything there, so that wasn't a result that was too negative, I guess. Um, but and then and we, then so starting the week, um, we had the three zero win, which is exciting, and we'll, we'll get into that. And then of yesterday just kind of ruins things. Where do you want to start though, Carver? Oof. Um, yeah, so the, the scoreline against Bochum, I want to say first and foremost, is very flattering. I mean, we could have easily been 3-0 the end half, and we just got pretty lucky there. Uh, I mean, I think the XG for the Bochum game was 1.5 for Dortmund and 0.6 for Bochum, even though the scoreline ended up being 3-0 us. So very fortunate, uh, just not in that result. But yeah, going back to how you mentioned against Frankfurt as well, I mean, no, pretty undeserving. We had a call that actually went our way um, from a referee's perspective. I mean, I, we've had countless calls in the past that don't go our way late in penalties, and now we actually got a little bit of fortunate luck going the other way. So uh, at least we got points in those sense. But, yeah, we could start with Bochum. Um, last time out, they beat us at home, even though – and and I think that was their last win on the road. They've been pretty dreadful this entire season. How you know completely overperformed they they had a, or they were last season? I mean, they were 
shattering all expectations being a newly promoted club and they got into the top 10 and finished if I'm not wrong in the table. So, um, I mean, this season, obviously it's a lot different for them. They're looking pretty dreadful in defense at home. Hoping for us to really pick up an easy win here and a win. It was, but easy, not so much. Yeah. And, um, before I get in the lineup, I will, I got to shout out the, uh, Brucin, Brooklyn Brucin supporters group fan club in, uh, New York City in, in Brooklyn. Uh, I was in New York over the weekend. As soon as I knew I was going to New York, I was like, I checked the Dortmund schedule to see uh, if what game was going on and if if I could make that. Uh, I mean, I was there for a wedding, but I wanted to make sure if I could go watch the game with those guys. So I hit them up, uh, which was really awesome. Uh, we got to know those guys uh, kind of through the podcast, which is really cool to just make those kind of connections. So everyone who listens, thank you. It's really cool to like be able to meet people in person um, and just like, I don't know, meet fellow Dortmund people. That's what this is about, like meet fellow Dortmund fans and supporters. That's what kind of why we started this podcast. So uh, really cool to go hang with those guys. Uh, they have an awesome soccer uh, like bar tavern there uh, in Brooklyn. So it was really fun watching the game with them. <laughs> the whole time we were watching the game, we're like, and the result is going our way, and we score really early, and then we score a second goal. We're like, oh, my God. Like We just expected to all show up and hang out, have a great time hanging out, but be really sad. It was funny that we just went into this like, meeting as like uh it might be a sad time but it was a great experience watching the game getting the win and everything so yeah and, and we could carry a handful of few different individuals uh, these past few games and this one kind of falls on Mukoko I mean he continues to prove his class especially with this game and you can see firsthand uh with his first goal really in the opening minutes I mean again him dropping deeper you can see in his average position too if you look at uh, those and see how he drops deeper now and he's learning to help with the buildup and still being able to finish the chances that he helps start and as well as now to say uh, great shots from range so he's learning to take his space he's learning to uh, find space to run into and not just you know sit there and be stagnant and he could also have a go as well which is fantastic another addition to his arsenal and he's really is just becoming the complete striker and I don't think we would have been able to see this dramatic improvement in recent months if he wasn't really being able to be given the opportunities that he has been. So very happy in that sense. It's one of the positive I could think of, I guess, of Haller being out right now is, you know, Mukoko being able to step up for the time being. Yeah. And possibly securing his spot on a trip to, on the plan to Qatar for Germany. I know that's a lot of talk right now. Like he, like how could you not take him with his performances lately? But seeing that goal, we, we talked about the first goal. We talked about it, um, I think in the last episode, we, it wasn't last week, but whatever the last episode we did about like the confidence thing and the confidence to just be like to go for goal and not necessarily be a little selfish sometimes. Like maybe we've seen it in a negative way, but th- this is, we mentioned that this is what we want to see. We want to see him taking those chances. I know watching the, uh, the highlights and the replay, like you just see Gio like screaming for the ball, which is like warranted because Makoko is way outside the box. He like did extremely well to, f- to fight off that defender and we could have been an easy dish off to Geo, which probably didn't have like a great angle to shoot, but that's like a play you're looking for. So it's like warranted for Geo to be yelling for the ball. And then he takes that strike though. But that's what we want to see because that's what's going to happen. If you take those opportunities, you take those chances, um, it's going to go in and that's just going to build the confidence. Even if you miss him, like you're definitely going to miss a lot of those chances too, but you want to see the striker, that that person like going for it and taking those chances and it paid off. And I, I love the, the geo reaction. He's like putting his arms up in the air. Like, why aren't you passing? Why aren't you passing? And as soon as it goes in, he just like drops one hand and just like waves to him. Like, yep, <laughs> good, <laughs> good on you. Uh, so that was really awesome to see. But 
Yeah, shot was really just sweet as a nut, man. Over the keeper and under the bar. I mean, their keeper didn't move. He, he was sit there glued to the floor almost and, and just didn't know how to react. And I think pretty much most people, right when that shot first came off Makoka's foot, didn't think that was going to go in and happily proved a lot of us wrong. I mean, it was a fantastic shot. Going back to what you mentioned a few minutes ago, absolutely, he deserves, at the very least, a very serious consideration to be called up for the men's national team for Germany. Um, I mean, from what I've seen among German forums, I know you and I are more of a U.S. national team fan uh, outside of Dortmund rather than German national. But, I mean, a lot of people are saying that's 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 what Germany's lacking right now is an actual goal scorer on top of Timo Werner being world, ruled out for this World Cup. They're going to need someone up top for a focal point point and attack and Makoko seems to be that man for the job at the moment yeah so I mean we'll see those should be coming out which I gotta say too at the time of recording this um I mean the I think the USMNT roster should be dropping any second I think there's something on ESPN literally as we're recording this uh which I don't have pulled it's, up it's rolling out right yeah. now so at the yeah. end of the episode We'll run through that too. We didn't have that in our, our show notes to talk about, but we'll definitely run through that because we are going to do some USMNT coverage as the World Cup starts and as we are into a Dortmund break. But back to Dortmund for a set, not for a second, back to Dortmund for <laughs> just one for the episode. Um, we'll run through the lineup versus Bochum because we had some guys back. We had some changes in here. Uh, we saw Koble in goal, obviously. Sule still playing that right back position. Um, Hummels and Slaughter back in the middle. Guerrero was back in the lineup at left back. Bellingham and Oshan in the middle. Reyna, Brandt, Mullen, and Makoko up top. Uh, as we stated, uh, really exciting though seeing Royce finally back on the bench. Um, and he did come on later in the game. Um, and unfortunately, he did not last because he didn't play in the game the other day or the Wolfsburg game. But yeah, what did you think of the lineup? Any, I mean, any thought? That's kind of what we expect with the exception of like Guerrero being back, I guess. But any thoughts on the lineup? Yeah, it is exactly what you mentioned. I mean, just it, it is what you would expect. Um, I think on paper, obviously it's fine, but on the pitch, we made things a hell of a lot more difficult than they needed to be this entire game. I mean, defensively, we were very wobbly. I already mentioned again that we were, could have been very easily much down uh, 3-0 to Bochum in the first half. Uh, Just a lot of things that need to be shaped up still in the back. And I, I but I, all the criticism aside, I really do like Sule at right back right now. He's unironically our best right back and also you know, not to jump too far ahead, but he was easily our best attacker against Volsberg as well. So, I mean, our best wide player and attacker right now is the center half. Yeah, I mean, we gave him a lot of praise last week, and it's definitely warranted because he's he's given us a lot uh, going forward. Now, my only worry, and maybe I shouldn't be worried about him specifically, and I'm not worried about him specifically, but I think what it's doing to our back line, and I, I don't even know how to approach this question or if it's a question, but just how I'm feeling or it's just Dortmund overall because this is what happens all the time. But like, I I wish we were seeing a little more consistency with Hummels and Schlotterback together. Like we see really good signs. I feel like Schlotterback might be falling off a little bit. I don't know where this is coming from, um, but it just seemed like we were playing a little more consistently when our back line was changing and our two center halves were changing. Was it was Hummels and uh, Sule or Hummels and Schlotterback, like seeing that rotation in there was working really well. And you think seeing this pairing work week after week, not work, but like playing together week after week, we might see a little more consistency, but it seems like we're falling apart a little more than we were earlier in the season. And I'm not saying I don't want Sule to be in at our right back position. I don't for depth reasons, but he's been producing and performing well out there. 
and I just don't know what's what's collapsing, what's falling apart, or why it is, other than just Dortmund being Dortmund, sadly. Yeah, I mean, with everything constantly switching around, it's just kind of what we have to work with at the moment, with Mounier being out, with Moray being out, with Wolf being out. We really do not have any other options at the moment, so it's difficult for Sule and Schlutterbeck to continue that partnership at the moment at center half because of those. But, I mean, Hummels is obviously a great addition to slot in there. I mean, he he's a great leader for having them uh, both on either side of him for um, and I, I just, yeah, Schlotterbeck has, I think it is fair to say he's been struggling a bit, um, or maybe struggling is a little bit harsh of a word, but he's just, he's not performing up to the standards that I guess that we all thought he could on a consistent basis at the moment. But I, ha- I have said since the very beginning of the season, though, that he is very much a risk taker. Someone who's going to go full in, he's going to dive in, he's going to throw his body in there. Uh, he's going to make challenges that are not as necessary or dramatic, but he's just going to and sometimes it's going to be costly. And, and the same thing on the ball as well. He's, he's going to be a little bit of a risk taker when it comes to his passing. And it looks like he's just got to work those errors out of his game right now and be a little bit more level-headed. And I think it's something that he can definitely overcome. I mean, he's shown his quality already countless times this season. And I'm very excited for him to be here for the long run too. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of Again, it, our whole squad is looking very, very depleted at the moment. I mean, there's not many individuals in point you would say like they've been consistently great all season, really. I mean, I guess Hummels and Koble, but I mean, Jude has even had his spots where it just kind of, you know, he had rough performances. So, yeah. And I think in our midfield, it's definitely been missing a little bit, which is understandable. Like, I know Jude's young and yeah, he can run forever, but he definitely also needs. A break and some time off. I mean, especially with how much he's been carrying us, but even like Oshchan, uh, in that Frankfurt game specifically, uh, the, our midfielders just getting run, run through like, like it was nothing. Like Oshchan was completely off. It seemed like Oshchan was completely off. And I don't know if that was credit to Eintracht or just an off game for him, but it seems like Oshchan's, Oshchan has fallen off a little bit. I mean, just like our midfield in general, whether it's both of them or what, like, I mean, in the Wolfsburg game, which we'll talk about, Jude did not look great. Like, he's been having just a lot more, like, missed passes lately. Um, I don't know what it is exactly, if it's uh, been, them being, like, tired and exhausted or if anything's changed with uh, how they're being told to, like, attack or, or stay back or I, I don't know what, what the issue is there, but it's definitely noticeable, and, and maybe that's why... I mean, I can't even look at a consistent streak and point to something else because, I don't know, it, it's... it's but in this game, looking at this game though, the Bochum game, we only had we had six shots total, three on target, which were our, our three goals. So yeah, like you said, the scoreline favored us, and it, it looked good, and the goals were exciting. The Makoko one was exciting, and um, we saw some good glimpses here and there. But really, overall, it was not a not a great game for us. And there were still they were still had moments to get in the game. Uh, luckily, didn't. Luckily, we we were able to keep the clean sheet and get the win, but. Yeah, looking at the stats and I mean how the game actually played out, like not was not a great game for us. Yeah, I mean, so we were also bailed out by Bochum have conceded nine penalties this season alone, and that is five more than the next per, the next team, um, which is Wolfsburg. Bochum has conceded nine, and next is Wolfsburg with four, and that just goes to show you how shambolic they are in defense at the moment, which is is 
crazy to say because you know we're the ones usually are pretty shambolic at the back but um if i'm not wrong penalties are an instant like 0.7 for xg so if you were to subtract that from our one points already i mean we're basically right there with bokum so again very flattering scoreline we're very wobbly in defense and like you said already i mean bokum had a handful of chances really uh, even the first half to put some away i mean they, they scored one that was offside they had an overhead kick that they just barely missed uh was in the 24th minute if i'm not wrong i mean that could have been that could have shut us up real quick. Um, it's a, a lot of unnecessary uh, mistakes and needless uh, goals to really concede. I, I really don't think we should have made this as difficult as it needed to be. It should have been, you know, done and dusted um, and, and get out of there. But yeah, just made too much of a game out of it. Yeah. And even the, I mean, the goal specifically, like we said, those were the, the three shots on target. The goals were br- brilliance by Makoko doing really well to, fight off the defender and then getting the shot outside 18 that dipped perfectly to get in the goal. So it wasn't like a great team teamwork. Like it wasn't a great team building goal or anything like that. Um, and then the penalty, obviously, which I will say like, and we'll t- maybe we'll talk about it more against Wolf Wolfsburg and maybe you have a different opinion, but I feel like Malin looked a little more dangerous in, in this game and in, in Wolfsburg game. Still hasn't got a goal or really produced anything, but I thought he looked slightly better. Um, and he did get that penalty again. It was a pretty, I mean, it was a penalty, but it was pretty pretty soft, um, and it, it was a good turn on him. But like then the penalty, so I, that's our second goal, and then the last goal was like just a breakaway. Um, I don't know if if that we were talking before we started recording. I don't know if that was technically an assist from Slaughterbeck, but he did. He just uh, on a clearance kicked it up the field. I mean, it bounced off a Bochum player's leg and fell right to Makoko, who chipped the keeper from way way outside the eighteen. But it's not like we did brilliantly to create these goals. They are kind of like just nice little moments that happened, but not, not from a big old team perspective. Yeah. It was very fortunate for us to even have the opportunity to uh, even have a shot on goal when, when their keeper was out. I mean, it Raina missed the header and it bounced off Bochum's defenders calf. If I'm not wrong when he was running backwards. So, I mean, it, take no credit away from Mukoko's finish. That was easily, what, 35, 40 yards out. It's with his weaker foot. He's a younger striker, and, and that takes a hell of a lot of composure to able to net that and, you know, and still get But that aside, like you mentioned again already, yeah, it's Bukoko's brilliance, and that's pretty much it, relying on individual brilliance in general to get this result. Yeah, and I don't know if there's anything. <laughs> and Brokham's shambolic defending. Yeah, we'll take the win. Uh like the on-track Frankfurt result, we'll, we'll take the win. Not great, but we'll take the rent win and uh, gave me a little more confidence uh, heading into Wolfsburg. Uh, and unfortunately, that did not go our way at all. Do you want to jump into that one? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, about pretty much the same lineup, if I'm not wrong. I mean, we had Adeyemi uh, come on for Brandt. And yeah, that was, besides that, it was the same all around Royce was out, um, had still had like his ankle or whatever has been injured, like was not feeling great after that last game, unfortunately, because we did get, I mean, we didn't touch on him at all, but he did come on in the, uh, 67th minute. Uh, he was able to sub on and get some minutes, which was good to see, but obviously it wasn't great for his health. So, yeah. And I, I want to talk about Wolfsburg real quick as well. I mean, Kovac has really been finding some form with his new club. I mean, he knows his best starting 11. He sticks with it for the most part. Mm. We've, uh, we've beaten Wolfsburg seven times in a row now playing very well against them, but I feel like this is something a bit different from the Wolfsburg side. Now they got a little bit of a, a confidence in them. They got a little bit of a, a pep in their step 
And again, Kovac looks like he's, you know, really settling in pretty well. So, and we're away, of course. Um, but I still felt we were going to go and get a result out of this one too. I'm, I mean, I know I've been criticizing our uh, our ability or lack of ability to gain any sort of momentum this season, but I felt like the tides were kind of slowly turning on that. And I mean, from the opening minutes in this one, it was just way too easy for Wolfsburg to find space and play through us. I mean, at times it just kind of looked like a training session of just them going around us like we were cones. I mean, we were completely asleep in the back. Uh, Guerrero was left exposed consistently and didn't know what the hell to do. And we just could not find any sort of footing in the first 10 or so minutes. Yeah, it it, it feels like the last week has been like building confidence, like maybe the results weren't or the results were okay and good. Uh, we weren't playing that great, but still getting these, these results, which were results we needed and points we needed. So it seemed like, yeah, the tide is shifting our way, like you said, and maybe I, I was taking confidence from that and I was hoping and assuming the team was taking confidence from that too, which I thought was going to play better moving forward for us. And especially going in the, into this game where Maybe they would realize, hey, yeah, we haven't played great, but we got the results, but we know what we can do. We know we've seen this team perform way better than what we've seen over the last couple of games. So I thought this game we were going to be able to kick it on, um, like kick, kick it into gear and just run with it and, and get a good win and a good result on the road. Unfortunately, that happened, like you said, right off the bat. So much, like a ton of pressure from Wolfsburg, credit to them. And I don't know how many of the corners they had in the first few minutes, but I mean, Third minute, we already like Koba already saved us once with a big save, and then shortly after that was when they got their goal in the sixth minute. And yeah, I don't know. It just it looked bad from the start, <laughs> and it was bad. And there was, I mean, we we did create some chances here and there, like Sule. Uh, There's a good chance from a Sule cross for Malin, uh, but it was I mean it wasn't on target. It was blocked by a defender. But like I said earlier, I think Malin looked pretty lively, and he seemed to have. That um, whoever his defender was, like he he seemed to have that match. Like he could, he was being able to blow past that defender, like and get around him on multiple occasions. Uh, he did have a good chance earlier where it was a quick slap shot, like we've seen before. But again, it was near post and it was a good save. Um, and maybe he should have went wide and it wouldn't went in. And that's like the decision making things that we've talked about multiple times. But I thought he looked more lively. We at least created a few more chances in this game. We took control for part of it, but overall, I mean, looking at it overall, like you can't just look at those small, maybe 10 minute spans where we had control and didn't do anything with it when the rest of the game was just kind of shit. Yeah. To go back to the beginning of what you just said at the corners. I mean, so they had six corners in this game and we had nine and we did not score from any, we didn't score this game at all, but I wanted to mention that we have over 90 corners. I believe it's 91 now in total to score full corner um, at the at, as, as just a football club, which is insane. Um, I mean, not only are we poor at defending pieces, but also attacking them. It looks like we have put zero effort or time and resources into fixing that whatsoever. So that was pretty shocking. We, we had a decent spell of like 10, 12 minutes or so. We we're controlling the midfield, which is pretty crucial. I mean, we were able to control the tempo well, dictate the game, but yeah, couldn't do much with it. You mentioned Malin already. I mean, he was okay, but I mean, I think I think with at and like with now, it's just the bar is so low with him that 
you know, we have, we see him do like maybe one or two decent things a game. And it's, and that's, that's pushing it. And that's not even like a goal contribution, but just like, Hey, he can do something. Um, and it's just kind of sad that like, that's kind of the standard that we're setting for him. Um, but just, yeah, outside of that, I mean, Wolfsburg capitalized on the chances of us having these individual mistakes. I mean, they had turnover after turnover. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, both clubs were uh, pretty poor in possession, but they were actually able to capitalize on those mistakes. Unlike us. I mean, we, we had chances to put some away whenever Wolfsburg lost the ball in really dangerous areas. But I mean, Jude misplacing a pass Adeyemi not doing much with the ball or Malin not doing much with the ball um, or just Castile's having a good save for Wolfsburg. And just after that, we kind of slowly stepped off the gas again and just fell asleep defensively. I mean, Terzic was looking aggravated and yelling on the sideline at like the 40th minute, like, wake the hell up, guys. Like, good Lord. And it just looked like the players weren't really up for the challenge. Yeah, I want to go back to the Malin thing just briefly because you're you're right, and it is sad that, oh, he, he blows past a defender and gets in the box, and I'm like, oh, he actually looked good and lively. It's like, you're right, he... You should be doing that every single game. That's what, like, that's why if you're starting, that's your job, like, this in the simplest form, and that's what we should be seeing week after week. And it's very sad. Like, we've we watched so many games where I've I felt like, oh man, he didn't do anything. Like, I forget that he's on the pitch, and it's terrible. And it is, it's sad that yeah, he he got past his defender a couple times, and was like, he looked good. He got a shot off. He looked lively. Yeah, it's ugh, it's so so sad to think about that. Um, in, in this game though, at least we did have shots wise compared to Bochum. We had 21 shots, uh, only six were on target. Um, there were quite a few like that weren't even counted as off target, but there were still like shots that were blocked or something like that. So at least we did look a little more lively, but just the mistakes, which is, I mean, we, we see it all the time. Like we just, is what we see with Dortmund is like, can we play a game with, I know obviously there's going to be no mistakes, but like these big mistakes that lead to goals and big opportunities, um, in the defensive half, like that's where it gets real, real frustrating because it's just, uh, I don't know. It's like people can't be perfect, but you, you got to cut that stuff out of your game if you actually want to do anything, <laughs> be successful. Yeah, it's not, that's not how champions act. That's for damn sure. And and I know you mentioned the word lively and, and lively in attack yeah. sort of, but definitely not defensively. Again, we we're very, very much asleep. And it looked like we kind of just to a loss throughout the entire game, really. I mean, mentioned already but Sule again was our best attacker here I mean our best attacker and wide plays is center half and I'll just get us out of the way now but just I mean this this team seriously needs to address some of its issues out wide I mean I know I tweeted this already but we were talking about wingers uh towards kind of the beginning of the season or at least earlier in the season and I didn't think we needed any because we had so much available personnel at the time and I mean, now that I'm, now that I, I guess keep watching this team over the last month or so, I, I really do think this team really needs an overhaul uh, for players. Wingbacks. I mean, we should definitely the wingbacks should be first and foremost a priority in my opinion. That is something that we have to address this winter or at the summer at the very very latest. And I'm talking a left and a right back, both two players, both should actually be able to know how to defend. And Guerrero can be moved up because it's just a lost cause at this point, constantly trying to play him as a left back. I don't think it's just really going to work out at that point. Next, two wingers and 
we have two wide players in JBG and Wolf that I think we could invest time and money into. I, you know, they're both players that have a lot of potential or a lot of promise in them, um, but they are world beaters. And we're going to need those world beaters if we're actually going to want to contend or contest for anything. So let's go for two wingers and not this striker winger hybrid, but actual wide players that can run the channels and one that ha- or players that have good decision making ability that could take on these 1v1s that can cross. And I think that's going to help a good amount of our areas in defense and attack because right now, again, Guerrero was left exposed. I mean, Sule can't do everything in defense and attack. He's only one. We're playing him at a position. We're playing a handful of players at a position, pretty much more than half of the starting lineup almost. So I think that's a problem that should be addressed and definitely can be addressed. And, um, one big reinforcement that we have coming in the summer that I don't see a lot of people talking online about at the moment is Knauf. I've been watching this season and a little bit of, uh, towards the end of last season when Frankfurt were making their Europa League run. I mean, I'm very excited to have him back. Uh, he's coming off of a month-long injury this past few weeks, but he's been very, very impressive during his loan spell at Frankfurt. I mean, his goal-creating chances uh, per 90 continues to rise for the past two years. I mean, he's got a high work rate. He can play on both sides of the ball defensively and offensively. He's strictly a wide player that can run those channels, like I mentioned. He's got pace. He can take runs. I think he's going to slot on perfectly to the squad this next season. And to be able to afford any sort of more uh, players outside of Knauf, you're going to have to offer the squad. And I feel like, honestly, at the moment, that should be Hazard and Malin. You know, both have had their fair share of opportunities to continue to uh, prove themselves. It looks like they're just not good enough, unfortunately. And unless Terzik fancies Malin over at Ayemi, I mean, they both have their strengths and limitations. Malin looks like slight ones, but not by much. And Adeyemi, as seen in the Man City game, offers more of a more of a grit and a defensive work rate. So I don't really know which one Terzik might want to go for in the long term, but I say at least two of those players, two of those three need to go because... You know, they're sucking up salaries. I think we can get some D from uh, at least a few of them and invest in players that are actual wide players and not these continuous hybrids or, you know, a left mid and slash center forward that we're going to play at left back like Hazard. I mean, it's just it's just setting these players up for failure. It's setting the coach up for failure. It's setting the club up for failure. Yeah, that was a beautiful rant. I loved it. And if you just want to do that for the rest of the episode, that's fine too. <laughs> I've been, I've been, <laughs> Chris knows he took it right out. Out of my mouth, but it's been building up for a while now. On uh, Knauf, because he's been playing with Frankfurt, he's been playing like a wing back role. So, do you see him coming in as that right back, or is he going to play if we stick to this four-two-three-one or four-three-three system? Is he playing higher up the pitch, and we still need a right back? I don't know if I've watched him enough to know like defensive abilities, but where do you see him as a player in that sense? And do you? I know he's on loan and he's our player and he can come back. Do you find that like there's a, do you think there's a chance he doesn't come back to Dortmund, whether it's he wants to stay at Frankfurt and they make a sale or a bid for him, or if like he wants to go somewhere else? I think Kanelf definitely should be molded into an actual wide player slash winger. I don't think we should be actual, like a fullback. Um, I don't think that's where his strengths are. I was just saying if we needed to, he's that versatile, but yeah, stop with the playing position players out of the position because again, it sets them all of them up for failure. Um, so I think we should, you know, invest in him tr- being right or left mid, one of those two. But again, someone who could play out wide and stick to 
providing that support and attack, but also coming back as well. And I, I, th- I think he definitely comes back. I think he's, I mean, he's been with our youth academy for a long time. I think he loves, he's, um, you know, we, we've given him the opportunities before his loan spell too. So it's not like we're, you know, looking to get him back just to bench him. And, and he's obviously proven himself as well. He's on a winning team. He's at a top club in the Bundesliga. Um, and he's, and he's also a Europa League champion at the moment as well. So, I mean, I'm very excited to have him back. And I think he's going to be crucial for this side. I really do. I mean, I think I would start him over Malin. I would start him over Hazard. I'd start him over Adeyemi at the moment. Yeah. If he, uh, no, th- this has been like, I would say one of the, like a perfect loan spell for him and for what we need developed out of a player, like going and getting minutes and actually producing and like becoming a, a player, like a true Bundesliga start starter. And now we need him. Like we need him. If we could take him back this winter, like uh, that'd be great. Um, but I mean, I think that there was talk over the summer too about taking him early, but uh, if he can just continues to, yeah, I mean, do exactly what he's been doing, then it's going to be great for us, him coming in next summer where he's, it's not like we're buying him or anything. He's already our player. So he can slot straight in depending on who else we buy. But, and then Adiyemi, I'd also like your shout for Adiyemi earlier. He, it's also still, he's so young and it's his first year in the Bundesliga. So I think he can still develop into the player we need him to be. Um, and I, I like, I, I feel like we've seen more out of him so far this season than what we've seen from Malin over the last couple of seasons. Um, so as, as far as if you have to pick one, I'm definitely on the Adiyemi train too. Um, over Malin, we just haven't seen enough. And then it's not even, I, we're getting into transfer. <laughs> This is Carver and I catching up on the transfers that we never like to discuss too early, and now we're just jumping right into all of it because why not? But because but seriously, something needs to change. So, uh, and it's it's been so frustrating. And I, yeah, I don't know what what are your thoughts on? So I know we've seen Brant playing this more central role, which he's been playing so well, and I really like him in that role. And obviously, it's because Royce has been out. Um, but we've talked about that position, I guess, that number 10 position, like Brandt and Reyna can both play that, and we've seen good things, especially from Brandt recently. Um, but that's another scenario where maybe we we haven't been getting the best out of Brandt always, like the last couple seasons, last few seasons, but he's been playing in this more wide role, and seeing him in this position now has been better. So I guess if, say, Royce comes back into this, what are your thoughts on, on Brandt in that wide position? Because I don't love it. I, I like this position where he's been at a little more so where do you see that shifting with Royce hopefully coming back we really don't know what's going on with him um because we thought he was he was healthy and then went back out but I guess Brant and Reyna where do you see them in uh lineup and positioning uh, I mean Brant's played really anywhere on that front line for looks like his whole career even back at Leverkusen as well and, and I uh for like a year or so under Favre and even a Rosa was very skeptical of playing Brandt out on the wings, but it looks like he can definitely do the job this season. I mean, he's, he's putting in a lot more of that work rate and tracking back, which I think does a lot for the wide player. I mean, he's providing that support on both sides of the ball. And um, I mean, he's producing numbers as well. Uh, goal contributions aside, I think he is putting up some good numbers uh, for, you know, a variety of different uh, aspects of his game. So I think the number 10 role might fit a little bit more for Reyna, but I mean, it's obviously again, a good problem for a coach to have for players like that to compete against each other where they want to play um but I, I think a focus again should be more wide players so we're not constantly looking at midfielders that can play there but we're kind of forcing them out there because we don't really know what else to do at the moment 
And, um, you know, going back to Wolfsburg, though, uh, to get off that rant that I was going at for a minute, um, it's not just the it, lack of consistency from Malin or Adeyemi. It's this whole club. It's, I mean, the word consistency has been the new word or the new coin term, I guess, instead of mentality for Dortmund in, in the past few months or even the past year or so. I mean, that that quick one-two passing and those good link-ups that you and I are always love to talk about and we always love to um, see from the team, it's just, it just isn't there at the moment. Even in the games where we are winning, where we are controlling the game, where we are dictating the tempo, it's still tough for us to build these combinations and work with each other well on a consistent basis. And I think that's also very troublesome as well. And it's it's not an issue even between like, you know, a handful of games. It, it, it's on a half-by-half half basis. I mean, it's mid-game. You're like, wow, wait, what? This is not the same team that was playing 15, 20 minutes ago. It's, I mean, I think that comes down to recruitment. Um, and again, uh, poking players in roles that they don't normally play in or they shouldn't be playing in. And I mean, that ties into with a lot of the problems that this club has. I mean, it's injuries, it's consistency, and it's recruitment at the moment. All right, it's okay if you if there's no real answer to this, but I, you know I like asking all the questions to you about stuff you might not be able to answer. But would you say this year compared to last year right around this time, or just in general, how do you see, do you, has there been any real improvement or is it just Dortmund riding this roller coaster up and down year after year? Like has, has there, has there been any real improvement that you see? I, I honestly cannot say from an overall standpoint, no, I cannot say there has been much. I mean, there's been uh, an individual levels, We've mentioned them already, some of the players that do look like they're improving a lot compared to under Rosa. But as a team, I mean, you have the work rate that looks uh, you look like, I mean, it looks like the club really or the players that want to work for each other a little bit more. But building any sort of consistency, building a team identity, uh, building a, a squad that's capable of, of achieving greatness. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think it's improving much at all. It's very stagnant, which is sad. Yeah. I do want to point back to, I know over the summer, we talked about it even this year, like the signings we made look like good signings. And I'm not I'm not writing off Sule at all. I'm not writing off Schlatterbeck at all. I'm not writing off Oshan. I think they've still produced, like, can you imagine our squad without them though? Like, I, I think they have helped improve the squad. And and we we've seen some positivity as far as, um, I think how the team works together and, and like you said, work rate out of certain players and it seems like it's a less toxic environment than what it was last year. We have players who want to play for Dortmund. Has everything clicked on the pitch? No, but I think you can also maybe relate that to it is technically a new coach uh, reworking the system with a bunch of new players who came in um, and like there's going to be these these growing pains and I when when we're we as fans have been watching like just kind of the same inconsistency like year after year, it is frustrating. But I think there are some positive signs with the players we have brought in, um, with the types of signings we made. And I know we've we've hit on this before. Um, it's definitely not as good as what we thought it would be and what we're hoping for. But I think I, I still see this this year as like a new project. And I think we have to like remember like it's the very beginning of this project. And if, if we're going to ride with this project with Terzic, and if we're going to keep making these, these signings for uh, the, the different signings from maybe what we've seen in years past, I think hopefully 
hopefully there is yeah, gonna I be mean, growth. There's, like, we're not really seeing it right now, but I think you can point to some certain aspects and say there is difference and there is change. Yeah, and it's it's also a transition year for I mean a handful of different things about the club. Obviously, sporting directors Kale is brand new to the job, and I think he's done a good job of bringing in some good players. I mean, obviously, he's done very well bringing in Sule on a free, and Sule is kind of start to pick up form the minute around Schlotterbeck starts to look and dip to dip in form. Um, so it's, it's just lack of consistency all around. Um, but I just, I worry that the board maybe, I don't know. I don't know how patient they'll be come the second half of the season. If we're still not getting the results that we need to even like make top four at this point. I mean, this after Gladbeck, it is going to be crucial to have a solid two month break to really kind of recoup and just, or regroup, excuse me, and just, you know, get our shit together because we have a lot of problems to address. This and it starts with a fullback, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the top four, that is the the scary thing because it, it it's, I mean, credit to the Bundesliga, that's, it's a lot more tight and it's a lot more exciting, but yeah, that makes it a lot more scary <laughs> of the potential of, of not making the top four. So obviously we need to see those results and get in there and it's going to be interesting that the second half of the year for sure. But do you, I guess we should, you want to preview Gladback? Do you want to jump into that one before, or we're also going to get in Twitter questions. We got some USMNT stuff to talk and then uh, Champions League very briefly, but want to do Gladback preview? Yeah, yeah. So Gladback have won just one of their last six. They recently just lost to Bochum also. Uh, Farka seems to be getting the best out of a few players, but the team as a whole looks like they're taking a bit. We're also away at this one, two away games in a row. Uh, I've seen, I haven't seen Gladbach play too much this season to be, I mean, the few that I have, I've seen, I guess, where there are areas that we could look to exploit, but at the same time, there are sure as shit, uh, areas to exploit for Gladbach as well. Again, I imagine they probably watched the game that we had against Bochum. I imagine they probably watched the game that we had against Wolfsburg and are probably licking their lips in certain areas of the pitch, specifically Rafa. I mean, if they could shut down Sule at the moment, we don't really have anything going on the right-hand side either. Uh, if Mukoko can't bring it on his day, uh, we're very, very toothless up top with uh, basically two Malins or two Adeyemis, whichever way you want to look at it. So, I mean, I, I'm hoping these next few days, Erzik is going to take a look at that and try to address what he can before this one. But, yeah, I'm a little worrisome on this one. I'm going to go with, a, as far as prediction... Uh, I did watch the the Bochum Gladbach game the other day, um, which I would say, I mean, it wasn't, that was more of a, it was a weird game. Uh, like, Bochum scored really early, and it's kind of, I know Gladbach's playing like a a keeper who just made his Bundesliga game, or debut in this last game, I think, like really young, kind of some keeper errors that led to the goal. So that was a weird game to watch because you almost didn't expect Bochum to to win. I think it ended up being two to one and I haven't watched a lot of Gladback, but I think like you mentioned, there's definitely way like we've seen them perform earlier in the season. They were performing a lot better, really defensively sound. Um, I was going to cop that. I was talking about Farka not being a great coach because just what I've seen in premier league in the championship over in England. Um, but he's been, I would say he's come over and done decently over here. Um, but yeah, a little, little inconsistency lately, but I still think they're like, he's a smart coach. And I'm going to, shift everything I said earlier or preseason say he's a smart coach and he'll be able to find know how to attack us and know how to play against us and and be up to date for that but I'm going to be optimistic I'm always going to be optimistic and say a 2-1 win uh, 
Yeah, and they're stumbling a bit. But again, I, I think with players like Playa, I mean, uh, Taram as well, they're going to try to exploit that left-hand side for Dortmund and uh, maybe bag one or two early and then, I don't know, pack it in. But I'm I'm hoping there's a response from the team. But I imagine Gladbach are going to probably have look to have some sort of response too, losing to a relegation side in Bochum. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a two-two draw, and it's gonna be a bit of a grim winter, end of the fall, I guess too. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We could just hope for the best of hitting the ground running come January. Yeah, so quick turnaround for for that game. So I maybe should apologize ahead of time. By the time this episode's out, hopefully you had time to listen to this episode before the Gladback game. Uh, but Friday, two uh, thirty Eastern time kickoff, um, and that is the final Bundesliga game before World Cup. Uh, so we will be back with another episode after that. But uh, let's before we talk about all that, uh, had some Twitter questions. A lot of people reached out with with questions and, and thoughts, and I think we hopefully covered a lot of that throughout the episode. But the first one being from Udis. Said very inconsistent performance from BVB. Only one draw, uh, least draws in the entire league. We win big one game and lose badly on the next. What do you think is the root issue other than injuries? Which I kind of already addressed already, but it's yeah, it comes down to three big pillars for me. It's injuries, recruitment, and lack of uh, consistency in the sense of playing players in the roles that they are not really the players that they are. I mean, playing strikers in the wing, playing as a striker, you know, midfielders as fullbacks it, it you can go down the list i think that's those three things are really going to spiral and turn into something ugly if, if we don't address it soon because we've been ignoring the issues that are deep rooted into this club for several years now and the club and the board just cannot continue to neglect and ignore that's just that's just not how we're not talking about winning titles at this point we're just talking about staying alive and being a serious club yeah this isn't uh this wasn't part of the question. This is just me adding on. But do you think Terzic is any part of that? Which part? Which which part of the or which part of the three that I mentioned? Uh I get like consistency or I guess playing players out of position. Like, do you think he's doing that out of necessity? Or do you think it's a there's any any part of this like is a lack on um on Terzic as like strategy or play, playing style or anything like that? Do you, I guess, do you think he's to blame for any of it? I don't think Terzic really is to blame for this part. I mean, of, of course, he has his faults, and there are things that he can have valid criticism for, but this is probably not one of those. I mean, he didn't buy Malin. Uh, he wasn't in charge whenever we were buying Yemi or even looking at Yemi. So he's just he's just playing with the players that he has at the moment. I mean, besides that, you, there's a whole hospital list of 70-plus players you can go to. Uh, not being available at the moment. So he's just kind of working with what he has. All right, next question is from Zaheen. Uh, he says, can you briefly explain how the transfer window works, like when it's open or closed, et cetera, et cetera. So obviously the after the World Cup, January transfer opens. And do you want to, I mean, jump into that a little bit? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's just, if I'm not wrong, it's just the whole month of January. And then uh, again, from July 1st until August 31st. And business is sometimes done you know, within the coming weeks of uh, before and after the official window, quote unquote, opens and closes. But that's whenever players are actually moving in and out of the door. Um, and that's whenever the business transactions are actually uh, completed in that sense. But, you know, that that's just, I imagine that's just how briefly uh, it works. Yeah. 
I think when it, it was happening last year when we were signing Sule and Schlatter back like outside the window and both kind of confused of like, all right, I mean, if they're, they're getting the deal done, cool. It's kind of weird that it happened that way. Uh, but I'm all about it, like getting them in early um, like and getting the, the plans in place. But as far as, so January coming up, like what we could potentially see is, oh, my dog's yelling. Apologize for my dog yelling in the background. But what we could potentially see, like as soon as like January 1, we could start to sign some new players or ship some guys out. Obviously, we won't see that stuff early on. A, a lot of stuff falls kind of later in the window, especially in the January window. Like a lot of stuff might happen on, on deadline day. But basically, for Zaheen coming up, like look out in January, that's when we could move some players in and out. And hopefully we will see some, some stuff because... It seems like that's what we need to kick it in in the next year, uh, ne- in the second half of the season. Yeah, in the case of Sule, if anybody confused about that, we were just signing him because uh, his contract was ending in six months after we approached him. So the announcement came out in January, but his contract ended in the summer of Bayern Munich, and then he immediately just picked back up with Borussia Dortmund. So I think we're going to be able to potentially do that with Kamada from Frankfurt. Uh, I mean, absolutely incredible player at the moment one of the best in the league would love to have him but also a center attacking mid is like the position that we do not need to reinforce at the moment so i'm hoping that's not the you know the only uh the only position that we're looking at right or the board is looking at right now with that tunnel vision i mean we have glaring problems elsewhere so that might be a situation since Kamada's contract ends with frankfurt uh, come this summer so I would maybe look out for an announcement for that come January, but that's kind of how it worked with Sule. Do you want to jump into quickly touch on the Champions League U16 draw? Yeah, we could jump in Champions League. We drew Chelsea first time we've ever been play against them. Graham Potter obviously is a new manager there after Tuchel. Uh, a lot of people online are saying this is like the Pulisic Derby. I'm not really into that. I'm not like. I don't know. I think Pulisic is kind of a little overrated, but that's for another podcast, another day when we talk more men's national team. But for this one, I mean, I, th- I think this is honestly pretty winnable. Of course, it's not going to be easy and it's it's going to be very difficult. But I, I mean, we could have had a hell of a lot more raw. I mean, there were numerous clubs that I would have way... Uh, I'd rather have Chelsea than like six or seven other different clubs. So I'm not really complaining in that sense. Again, it's a new get to see uh, how we match up against Potter. And uh, his side, I'm excited. Yeah, I I like this draw too. Like you said, more than a lot of the other teams we could have picked or drawn against. I think this is a could be a good matchup. On the Pulisic thing, there's a chance he he leaves in January. Like there's a very good chance he leaves Chelsea in January because he was trying to leave in the summer. It didn't quite work out, so he might be gone. Especially if like <laughs> World Cup coming might help his cases to to get out. Um, so we'll. Yeah, there's a chance we might not even play Pulisic by the time that rolls around. Because the game isn't until, I think, I don't have the exact date, but it's February. So it's we'll obviously talk about this game more as we get closer. We'll give like a, a legit preview. But we had that news of the, the 16 draw, so we want to put it out there. Uh, so we are matched up against Chelsea. That's our next Champions League game. And, I mean, talking Pulisic and USA, you want to jump into the USMNT? Because we have the full roster now for USMNT, as you do as you're listening to this uh, the day after we recorded it. But uh, you want to run through this? Let's do it. We're not going to do a whole big analysis thing. We might throw out some little quick thoughts on on anything here or there. But I think the big standout goalkeepers, um, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, is not on the list for the World Cup. 
Kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. From being our number one to not even in the squad. It's sad, but I mean, uh, he went to Man City knowing he wasn't going to get any playing time. And whenever he is loaned out, he's not performing well whatsoever. So, I mean, I, I think I think this was in talks like well over a month ago. That is that his role in general was in jeopardy. So, it sucks. But I mean, this this industry cutthroat stuff. Yeah, pretty pretty nuts. And then uh, I'll just jump right into defenders. We have Cameron Carter-Vickers, Serginio Dest, Aaron Long, Shaq Moore, Tim Ream, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, uh, DeAndre Yedlin, and Walker Zimmerman. Big standout to me, maybe you too, Tim Ream. I'm so glad uh, he got he got the call because he has not been in the team lately. He hasn't been around the system in a while, but he's he's playing for Fulham in the Premier League. I know he's older, but he's like starting week after week. He's Fulham's captain. He's been performing consistently with them. He's also a St. Louis guy, so got to give him a shout out, show some love there. We love, I love me some Tim Ream, and I'm very happy uh, from like the inconsistency we've seen in the the back line here and there. I'm I'm glad that he's in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm also happy Ream Ream made the squad, and I'm imagining he only did because of Richards being out. Uh, but another uh, eyebrow raiser for me was Shaq Moore. I mean, we have already Dest, we have Yedlin. And we have Scally who could play it right back. So I'm not really sure what I guess. I also don't watch the MLS, let alone Nashville, much at all. So I just was a bit confused at where Shaq Moore might slot in there. I mean, it looks like he can really only play it right back a little more high up the field, but so can Dest, so can Scally, and so can uh, Yedlin. So I felt that was an interesting choice. Who okay now I'm looking at this list. Who's another left back? Like Des could play left back. Robinson is obviously starting left back, but as far Scally. as like depth there, Scally's left back. I was thinking he was right. Okay, he can. I mean, he is, but he can also play left back. Okay, okay. All right, we'll get into midfielders, which I think is pretty much what we what I thought. Um, Brennan Aronson, Kellen Acosta, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney. Eunice Musa and Christian rolled on. Was there anything in there that stuck out or a little weird to you? Um, I mean, that's pretty much what we were all expecting. I think besides rolled on, I think that was a little bit more surprising. But yeah, other than that, I think that's really no complaints there. And then, okay, so jumping in our forwards, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, another St. Louis boy, uh, Tim Weah and Haji Wright. Some surprises in there. No PFOC. No PFOC and no Pepe, which I I haven't been all on board. I haven't been all on board the Pepe train. I think he needs to develop some more. But yeah, PFOC, I uh we talked we talked about the last window. I was really, really mad he wasn't in there and he's still not in there. So Yeah. I I I don't know about my we I think you and I both don't really have any expectations for this this team going into this tournament but again that's for another day i'm I'm excited to talk about that in another episode yeah which on that i think that kind of wraps it for this episode we'll do we'll dive into it more um because we are going to do usmnt coverage during the world cup because it's okay I'll, i'll just mention it briefly we're gonna have so much time off uh like after so dortmund plays friday and then they don't play again until end of january um, they do have some friendlies scheduled here and there, uh, but it's just going to be a long time without Dortmund, um, which I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what you're feeling you need 
Um, you need a little break. You need a men- little mental break. I'm I'm bummed. I love. I, I'm excited for the World Cup. I'm excited to watch the World Cup, but I, it doesn't get any better than watching domestic football. It's gonna be sad. It's gonna be a big break. That's yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I need a break personally. I mean, maybe <laughs> not two months, but I need a break, and I think the club definitely needs a break too. Yeah. So I mean, we'll have some stuff planned throughout the break. We'll talk about that more next week because we will be back after the Gladback game. Um, to recap that and then preview USMNT and World Cup more. We'll probably do some updates. I know in the last window, we we gave some updates about specific Dortmund players um, and how they're tracking and, and playing uh, throughout the uh, the window. So World Cup-wise, we'll, we'll cover all that too. But it's mainly going to be USMNT with some other Dortmund player coverage. But we'll get into all that next week. Um, besides that, I think that's it. Really appreciate you hanging out and listening. Like I said before, with uh, me hanging out with the New York guys, Stuff that that's really cool that could happen because of this podcast and because like with this podcast, we can just find new Dortmund f- friends to talk Dortmund with and watch games with. It's the whole point of it. So really appreciate you listening and reaching out and connecting with us on Twitter and Instagram, which is the BVB pod. You can find the links to everything on the description of this episode. And of course, our website, the BVB podcast.com. Carver, you have anything else? That's it. Thank you for listening. Yep. We'll see you guys later. Bye.